Welcome to the RIBA's Road to Recovery podcast series, a chance to peep behind the net curtains of a host of architects' practices across the country to sneak into their lockdown worlds and hear their personal experiences of and responses to COVID-19. Are we going to have to spend more time thinking about not what our clients need right now, what we can anticipate they might need? The community rather wonderfully responded by creating an online TV station on Facebook called Isolation Station Hastings. Trying to keep personal contact with them as often as possible, discussing things whenever we can, actually sometimes over discussing things with them in order to kind of maintain that contact and help them feel involved. In this episode, we talk about communicating with clients, creative ways of working with communities, and understanding new opportunities. Meet Jareen Irwin from Chaplin Ferrant, David Ogamwiwe from Architecture Doing Place, and Thomas Bryans from If Do Architecture and Design. How has staying in touch with clients changed during lockdown, Thomas? We got a new commission recently for a house in Suffolk, but the clients are actually based in Sydney, Australia. And if it wasn't for lockdown and the fact that we had become very au fait with video conferencing at that point, we'd have found this prospect of workshopping and meeting this client in Australia an incredibly daunting prospect. Instead, it's like water off a duck's back because they could have been three streets over and it would have been no different. And David, how have you stayed in touch with clients during lockdown? The existing clients that we do have, um, yeah, it's just been trying to keep personal contact with them as often as possible, discussing things whenever we can. Actually, sometimes over-discussing things with them in order to kind of maintain that contact and help them feel involved. A lot of our clients are local authority officers, so they're not necessarily at work themselves, but also local authorities have got their own um, kind of constraints. Doreen, how have you been staying in touch with clients? So most of our business is repeat business. About 40 people in the practice, so as you can imagine, there's probably a number of projects going on at the same time. We've found that we do a lot of video calls. It's talking to people has been the most important thing for us. And when your clients are local communities, how challenging has it been to engage with them during lockdown? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. And we do a, a lot of community consultation through through our projects. And I'm thinking in particular of uh, one that has recently gone in for planning, which is the Observer Building in Hastings. It's a very large, um, going to be a very large mixed use community space, community project. And community consultation is a, a huge part of that. And this summer was intended to be part of their big launch program with lots of community activities and various different events going on. And of course, coronavirus came along and uh, shut all of that down. And so there was a big question for us as to well, how on earth do we respond to this? How do we carry on, on going? And the community rather wonderfully responded by creating an online TV station on Facebook called Isolation Station Hastings. So they had sort of various, they've got a whole program of community events going on from extraordinary musical concerts through to yoga, art classes and various other things. And as part of that, we broadcast sort of community consultation events to people, sort of talking them through the plans for the the building, etc. And actually, the wonderful thing about that is it's alive and you can get live feedback and people will comment as you go through. So you can take those questions and you can respond to them yeah. actually in a in a very interactive way. And Jareen, how important was that community consultation for you? I think what Thomas was saying about getting au fait with sort of digitally working together and working collaboratively, it was really, really tricky. It was tricky for me. I'm used to having a piece of paper in front of me 
and being able to talk to somebody face to face, but having to very quickly find a way to communicate the same information and trying lots of different versions of it. For me, the question is, what about the people that are just as important in the community that perhaps don't have access to the internet or don't know that you're consulting something online? How do you get the information to them? And that's something that I don't know the answer to. It's a case of if you're going to consult with people and you want community's views, you want a community that are informed citizens so they know what's good, they know the places that they like, they know the places that they don't like. And because you couldn't go anywhere and you were restricted to a sort of a very small area, people know their sort of communities really well. So I hope that brings better community projects. And David? We're working on a traveller site in Bow in East London and we are... And one of the things we're trying to do there is look at kind of old, newfangled technology because of the distance, because of the kind of remoteness. One of the ways we're able to kind of think about things is by using, you know, fly-throughs for different options. We've been making gifts all week, which are great. They're a lot of fun. You know, you can change colours of things and kind of look at, you know, before and afters a lot. I think the thing that we haven't found a way around yet is the more interactive way. The TV station sounds an amazing way to do that. Uh, Maybe even something like this. Do you think that the client's needs have changed in this lockdown situation? I think some commercial clients will be finding things a bit tough and uncertain. And, you know, that dreaded B word that's been looming over us forever long, that hasn't helped things. But whilst they've not been able to do things and things have effectively stopped... Uh, there's a pent-up demand. So I hadn't really thought about it like that. There's still a need. It's just how is that need going to come out and are your clients, are we going to have to spend more time thinking about not what our clients need right now, but what they might, what we can anticipate they might need? We don't know what kind of world we're walking into. All we've got is ideas. Thomas, you've been taking an interesting approach to understanding community needs and also developing your expertise in social infrastructure. Absolutely. And I think there are a few things that we're doing. And I guess I'd start by talking about our the community projects that we're working on the social infrastructure that we're doing two reasonably large projects including the Hastings ones both at sort of planning or, or having just received planning and actually the needs for that type of project is only amplified through this process particularly when you're working in less well-served communities that actually the need for those projects to come online is even greater than it was and and in a way there's a sense of urgency and there's and there's funding there as well we're doing one of the things that we've done during the process of lockdown is actually to get funding from Innovate UK, our first ever research grant, to develop a series of COVID-19 safer spaces design guides for public places. And we're looking specifically at social infrastructure, so places like libraries, churches, community centres, youth clubs, etc., to help them to reopen in in a relatively safe way. And the reason for doing that for us is because, A, that's what we're particularly passionate about as a practice, but also because those places are are key to the, the social recovery we feel from coronavirus. David, how do you see your client base demand developing? We don't have many private clients. We have a few, but that's also going to be affected. So for instance, we have a private client who's got a fantastic scheme where they're trying to do, rather than an extension on the side of their house, they're trying to do their own mini housing association where they develop a property there that's a kind of really skinny house. And for a year, they rent it out to somebody at reduced rent so they can save. And then somebody else moves in the next year. I think it's a brilliant idea. We really want to be involved in it. There'll be loads of other clients who will now have to think about more space for home working or more space for homeschooling and all of these sorts of things. We've also been really 
really thinking about kind of arts because we've wanted to, in terms of resources and capacity, we've always wanted to kind of focus on arts projects as well as social housing. And also one of the things that does happen with the arts in all times, good or bad, is philanthropy. People with lots of money do like being philanthropic towards the arts and, and particularly when it's in need. So we were also kind of looking at areas where philanthropy is um, going to kind of be a bit more to the front, almost in a kind of Victorian Henry Tate sense of creating these kind of endowments and uh, establishments that might endure for a long time. Has this prompted you to think differently about future work? Jareen? Um, I think, think as a practice, we're quite lucky. So um, Chapman Farrant, we work in many different sectors. So we have different teams that work either. So I, my team t- tends to almost exclusively work uh, either in community or education uh, type buildings. Where does the money come from to be able to achieve what we're trying to do? For me, it comes down to time. So in terms of future projects, I think that people being in lockdown have had the opportunity to spend a bit of time thinking about what they want. And then it's for us to figure out, you know, their architect, do they know what they want? How can we help them realise what they want? And Thomas, for you, future markets? It's a really interesting one. And David's point about future philanthropy obviously sort of sets off lots of thoughts in terms of the type of community work that we do, particularly where it's community-driven work rather than community work that's that's being done by, by local authorities. But for us, certainly looking at the Safer Spaces uh, design guides that we're developing, there's a huge amount of work that is going to be needed um, to adapt and retrofit certain spaces, um, particularly within this pre-vaccine period that we're, we're going into. And we don't know how long that's going to be. And it's interesting that, for instance, the GMC, I think, are looking at transforming all of their office spaces and are looking for the future of the office space. And that will be true as well. I think it was Westfield is looking to transform one of their anchor spaces into a new WeWork type office space. So there will be an awful lot of transformation in the urban realm. And it's one of those things that in these times of crisis, there are, of course, opportunities that will come out of this for for lots of people. There will be a, a huge number of people who will suffer, but there inevitably are sort of community opportunities that will emerge. So when you think about the vacancy of spaces on high streets, what does that mean in terms of low-cost workspace for local people, local businesses? There are some extraordinary opportunities there in terms of looking at the question of, of what the high street is going to be in the future, because there will be a huge shake-up that comes from this. In terms of your new normal, are there things that you're going to take from lockdown and turn into positives, David? One of the things that's been really interesting is the the speed at which we've all agreed to change quite large aspects of our lives in a radical way. And that is hopeful and reassuring for me in that we work with a lot of social value, we work in, in lots of areas, and quite often it, it's kind of fighting and pushing against the kind of inertia and complacency of this is how it's done, this is how it has to always be done. And I think this has allowed people to see in a really vivid and quick way how change is possible really quickly in the art of the possible. And I found that really inspiring. Thomas, what are your takeaways? I would echo David wholeheartedly on that. I think questioning the the status quo and that that art of the possible is a is a really important one. I think certainly for us, actually challenging even simple things like crossing London for a meeting. It's like that's a that's a very simple thing that that saves half an hour to an hour travel in both directions. It's like why on earth do we need to carry on behaving the way we were, why do you need to have the entire office in the office all of the time? You don't, because for some people, that is actually quite a distracting, inefficient place to be if you're trying to get on with focused work. 
So certainly for us as a practice, not, not thinking about society, it will inevitably change some of the ways that we, we operate. One of the things that I think society will, will hopefully learn coming out of this is people becoming much more aware of their physical environment. Um, when you think of the numbers of families who are stuck in relatively small London flats, suddenly becoming more aware of actually the importance of the spaces that we occupy. One of my hopes would be that people are, I guess, more alert to the impact that the architecture and the spaces around them have on them. Thomas Bryans, Jareen Irwin and David Ogunwiwa, thank you so much for taking part in this RIBA Road to Recovery podcast series. <laughs>